Hey guys, welcome back to season three, episode nine of The Nest. I'm your host for today, Brianna Palis, and I'm here with Sylvie Weber and Elizabeth Nato. These two are board members of Doral Academy Social Reform Club, which everyone should definitely consider joining. So today we're going to be talking about gender inequalities in not only in pay, but also in opportunities and overall how women are sometimes treated and viewed as lesser than men. Yeah. So thoughts, takeaways. Over the years, I feel like we've definitely seen a um, a lessening of the gap between men and women. Like Bree said, not only in like pay, but also in opportunities. And we're kind of been getting better, obviously, over the last couple of decades. But there is still a lot of work to be done um, in that area, especially when it comes to intersectionality uh, between not only women, but also women of color, queer women, and all of that good stuff. Um, and yeah, we need to have discussions about this so things can get done. Yeah, no, that's extremely important. I feel like discussions are a big part of how we're going to spread awareness on this topic. You have something to say? Yeah, of course. Especially, those discussions are partially, they have to be had because a lot of what affects us as women is the way we're socialized in comparison to men, in comparison to other people. And if we effectively change the way we're socialized, we could try to have an effect on the, those tangible numbers, the pay gap, those sort of things. And that way we can try to fight that and try to lessen that gap between men and women that we currently have. No, yeah, and we saw that in the pandemic, a lot of people lost their jobs. A lot of people were not able to return to work. And employment rates rose to numbers that were very unheard of until recently. And we saw the female unemployment rate spike to 16.2% compared to 13.5% for men. I personally think this is because women have the duty, the automatic duty of taking care of the children, kind of tending to the house. And I just kind of wanted to know your opinions on why this unemployment spike with women is most likely occurring. I think that the unemployment gap is there partially because of what you said with the way women are socialized, but partially be- not only because of that, like, yes, women are expected to take care of their families, but they're expected to also do all the housework, they're, expo- they're expected to pick up all the chores. So by proxy of everyone going home, they kind of resume and go into the role of, let me take care of the kids first, and let me prioritize that over getting a job. and let's say people did lose their jobs and let's say one parent or both parents lost their jobs the person who's probably going to be prioritized first out of both the parents is the father going back to work over the mother since that's kind of societally expected for the mother even though there always might be a case where that's not always true and the way things happen now it's like not as standardized like obviously there's going to be mothers and parents that don't fit into that stereotypical like yes the mom's going to stay home but that's just what we normally expect i feel like another big reason why women were laid off so much more than men during the pandemic is because um, employers um saw men or still do see men as more attractive to the workplace because they're not going to go on maternity leave because we don't have um, like mandatory paternity leave in the United States and we don't have that um, at least not in a lot of companies they have it a lot in other countries and that's why in a lot of like for Nordic countries for example like the gender pay gap isn't as big as it is in the United States so I think that's a really big reason for um, why so many women were laid off because men are less likely to just leave to take care of the children like we've been saying so far um, so not only has that caused recently the unemployment rate for women to go up but 
it's also caused the gender pay gap like that's existed all this time up until now. And as you're talking, Elizabeth, I kind of thought of this too. Since the way we women are like expected to be raised is to go into fields like hospitality, social work, those sort of fields, what is going to be cut off first when there's a pandemic on the line? Things like social work. You're, when you are a hospitality person working in a, or as a receptionist or you're in a hotel, those services aren't going to be as needed when there's a pandemic. The people who are going to be needed and as like more relied upon are going to be those engineers, going to be those nurses, those doctors that women aren't as encouraged to pursue and become. You're pretty much saying that our unemployment spike is largely due to the fact that they're cutting off the jobs that women are most uh, inspired to pursue or pushed to pursue. And honestly, I agree with that because we did see the cutoff of various social jobs like hotels, um, a lot of stores that are mostly owned by women, you know, women business owners, they got out of jobs, obviously. And it just kind of sucks the fact that we had to face that along with the stereotypical viewpoints of women that, oh, they're going to leave to have children. You know, it kind of sucks that like when we're going to go into an interview or into a job, a lot of women find themselves taking off their ring, their marriage ring, because they're a lot more likely to get employed because the person, your employer, is most likely to assume that you're not going to go on maternity leave if you're not married. In the United States, it's actually illegal for an employer to ask you if you're married, if you have kids, if you're planning to get married or planning to have kids, and questions along those lines. But a lot of employers still ask those things to make sure that the women that they're hiring aren't just going to like go off and dilly-dally on their maternity leave as if that's how that works um and I feel like it's very important for women especially to understand that that isn't legal and that isn't right because um I feel like we aren't really told that much but it's very important to take into consideration because if an employer is asking you if you're married or if you're planning to have kids like you need to know you need to know your rights yeah you need to know your rights basically and how do you think we can enforce those rights kind of to kind of spread awareness of those rights because I was not aware of that law at all so how do you think we can go about informing women on what they can and can't do at an interview I think that works alongside heavily with like human resources departments in um, in offices uh, office jobs for example so when companies are conducting interviews I think it's very very important for some sort of HR representative to be there and to kind of take the lead on that um, angle because usually people in HR are the ones that are in charge of like um, absences and maternity leave and stuff like that and making sure that everybody knows what's going on in that aspect. So I think that's really important for people that specialize in social work and that specialize in the knowledge of these things to be there to help people know what they don't have to answer and what they're, what employers aren't allowed to ask because that's really messed up. And... Kind of something that's more basic and that's that's actually a really <laughs> amazing idea i never like, considered. here's something a little more intricate <laughs> more more basic idea as with like all social issues the place to get started is always using your voice and making things known and spreading public awareness that's always the first thing to do and that's how grassroots campaigns start and alongside that there's a lot of cases where women for example i was watching this uh, ted talk from uh, kimberly crenshaw and she was talking about intersectionality, and she was talking about how this woman, um, she filed a court case because she viewed, she believed that she wasn't hired because she was a woman and black. 
So making cases like that, those court cases that actually go through and talk about those kind of the legal questions and talk about discrimination and the hiring practices that people have, publicizing those a little bit more could make people more aware because, hey, there's tangible legal consequences that you can see from this company, from that story. So spreading our stories is the way we can really push for change. No, yeah, I am a firm believer in the fact that it all starts with education. From very little, we're taught boys, I guess, are always pushed to pursue the jobs that pertain with harder subjects such as science and math. And it all starts at the ground level because automatically we see that women are more inclined to take history or English and then from there they're, they're pushed to pursue those. So, you know, they go into jobs that are way more risky and less paying and not as powerful, you could say in a way, while the men take on these heavy duties or these jobs that have that grand title. So that's why I actually saw a report. It was that women have the equal chance of becoming politicians, of getting voted into office. It's just that they're not pushed to make that effort as much as men are pushed to. So I personally think that education is the number one way to start, you know, kind of influencing, put it more into the curriculum, you know, that women are capable of doing anything they set their mind to. And that could generally just help the gender inequality gap kind of to decrease because we're going to see that these women are going to go out there and try more because they're taught that from the very beginning. I think it's really interesting that you brought up the fact that boys from an early age are encouraged to pursue the fields in math and science and engineering and things like that that are considered more valuable to society, while women are encouraged to pursue the social sciences and literature and things like that. And they're kind of pushed to the side and deemed not as valuable to society when in reality, I think it's so important for the world to be filled with art and to feel, be filled with knowledge of, of philosophy and of history and all of these things that, like we said, women are encouraged to pursue. There's this quote from the Dead Poets Society, um, which is one of my favorite movies. And it's basically a um, the professor is speaking on why we how we often push aside things like poetry and literature when in reality they're so important to society he says medicine law business engineering these are noble pursuits and necessary to sustain life but poetry beauty romance love these are what we stay alive for and i think that if we encourage equally boys and girls from a very um early age to pursue both of these kinds of fields, we can get so much more accomplished as a society. People will pursue things that they're genuinely passionate about, not just because they think it'll leave them with a higher social standing and then women won't get left in the background. Yeah, if people are more focused on like pursuing what they want to rather than what is already pre-written for them in yes. a way. Obviously and evidently we have the power to do whatever we really want to, especially because we live in a country like the United States. And there are huge initiatives like Women women in STEM and things like that. But both the arts and sciences are such are so important because arts are what enrich our lives and sciences is kind of what makes the world run. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> That's what that because the arts add flavor. So both our contributions are important and it's important that we don't kind of separate them. I find it really interesting that you're mentioning the workforce and how a lot of women, you know, are pushed to pursue things that they might not exactly be passionate for, but rather it was kind of just pre-written for them. And here we have a statistics. It says that women are still 
underpaid even in this current society where a lot of people believe that oh being underpaid is an exaggeration a lot of people do not believe that women are in fact earning 81 cents for every dollar a man makes and that kind of feeds on to the whole stereotype of we're being over exaggerative when we say that we demand equality because then people go to other places that that the facts don't support what i'm saying here is how would we go about making this pay gap completely shut so how would we as a society kind of pursue a movement we have movements already but sometimes they're not doing anything so if we lived in a perfect world how would this work i personally believe mm-hmm. that if we lived in a perfect world we would have paid maternity leave and as um me and ada were talking about earlier we would also have paternity leave that was obviously paid because then this the stereotypes kind of change in a way so um, take it away yeah <laughs> so i i'm pretty sure i mentioned earlier that in nordic countries um and countries all around the world really they give paid paternity leave to men once they have kids right just the same way that um, women get paid maternity leave here in the u.s so since so much of the reason why the gender pay gap exists and why um, our society kind of functions the way it is when it comes to women and unemployment and stuff like that is because of gender stereotypes that already exist. Um, A lot of it is social and what we learn at home and at school. So it's kind of not only necessary to re-educate future generations so that they don't learn these harmful stereotypes that feed the cycle of unemployment and of lower pay and stuff like that. But instead, um, not only turn away from those, um, from teaching our children those ideologies, but also take real legal action. So, um, precisely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so for example, I think I mentioned earlier that in a lot of Nordic countries and countries around the world, there is paid paternity leave the same way that we have paid maternity leave here Um, and basically what that does is it takes weight off of that stereotype of women having to um care for the children children, like automatically be the automatic exactly and to control the household and that's like that's their responsibility so now kids are having better relationships with their dads and the pressure is kind of taken off of the women to not only be a breadwinner because most um families in the u.s most households are two-income households in order to be able to survive so not only um do women have the responsibility now of being a breadwinner but also of being a mother first like that's just what's yeah that's like the utmost priority for a lot of women you know kind of and i feel like that stems from the household especially as you mentioned you know from very little women are told that oh Look, look at your mother. She puts you first. Right. Yeah. And that's automatically engraved in your head. Like, oh, okay, when I become a mother, I have to put my kid first in order to survive. When in reality, you can put you like, I'm not saying don't put your kid first. Yeah. But it's not the entire world. Yeah. You, you have to be able to know that there are, there's flexibility in the options you can pursue. Yeah. And you don't have to do it by yourself. And I think that like, exactly. by having paid paternity leave be like a national thing, um, we can kind of take that pressure off of women of feeling like I have to be the mom of the century and also do it by myself. Exactly. Right. You know, it's always, there's always two people. Yeah. It, two, it takes two and those two should participate in taking care of that child as well. And if you're doing it by yourself, you are very strong and very loved. No, yeah, 100% because <laughs> yeah. that is not easy. God, wow. 
and so many women give up their dreams. So many people drop out of college because they get pregnant, and it's such like a horrible reality. And you grow up hearing these stories, women who just dropped the ball and said, I couldn't become that physicist, that historian that I always wanted to be because I had to focus on you while your dad went off to work. And there's so many stories of mothers who have just had to be the one who takes the burden for not only their children, but for their spouses. So women are expected to be that emotional center and that's not necessarily, that that emotional weight should be kind of more distributed. So. No, oh, yeah, I, 100%, I agree. Yeah. No, I kind of feel like those assumptions, they obviously come from history that we probably don't even know of. Mm-hmm. But I personally feel, I've learned that this whole assumption that uh, women are, not as good as men it's actually fun fact it comes from the romans and they would always prioritize men because before that it was an equal job you know women would stay home they'd like collect the they'd make food they'd weave all the blankets all the clothes while the men went and did the hunting and gathering all that stuff but that was mainly instituted as laws back in the roman times and i guess that carried over into english law and eventually up here to the united states and it's kind of shocking that we live in the 21st century and even though we live in the 21st century the supposed that boom of technology of knowledge of reform and we still can't get an equal pay gap yeah. it's kind of crazy that oh yeah you're talking to someone and they're kind of like oh that's that doesn't make sense though like we live in the 21st century we're in 2021 by now we should be able to be paid the same amount but unfortunately those ideas are carried out through education at home you know through simple stuff like only putting a baby changing room in the women's room yeah that already that automatically instills that idea that hey women are the only ones that are supposed to change diapers and by default take care of the whole being take care of the whole child you know and that's kind of sad really struggling oh yeah (laughs) and it it kind of puts that pressure on like single dads who have to take it on themselves too it not only affects women it also affects everyone else around you know you know it boils down to like what you were saying our, our environment but also it boils down to the stories we hear we hear stories about the romans and they were pretty well known for practicing incidental homosexuality just because they didn't like women that much. And that's kind of like a, a point of historical contention. But we also grew up hearing, you know, about Frankenstein, like Dr. Victor Frankenstein, that wasn't a woman. Like there's a lot of those empowering roles in like classic literature is kind of left out. And I'm not bashing Mary Shelley. She's an incredible writer. I'm not bashing these historical writers or figures or poets. They are incredible but, but you can't really blame them because that was exactly. how they grew up. You know, the men are always going to be the brave heroes who save the day while women will be either the trusty sidekick or, or the, the damsel in distress. Yes, yeah. or the damsel in distress. It's always a damsel in distress that we have to play. And it's kind of time that we change for that. And not only now that we're mentioning, you know, pay gaps and all that stuff, because it's unfair that we still get paid 81 cents for every dollar so from the environment that we're already predisposed to, you know, we've already mentioned that women are already seen as less than men, and that is reflected in the amount that we get paid. So we get paid 81 cents for every dollar a man gets paid. And that's honestly unfair for current time. So, you know, you're currently getting paid 81, 81 cents for every dollar. But it also affects us long term, you know, because when we retire, there's these lovely paychecks called Social Security that the U.S. government provides for us. And that is a reflection of what we earned in the past. So because we're already earning less in the past, we see that our checks are going to come out less than our male counterparts. And that honestly, it's it's very it already puts us as a position of weakness because we already don't have enough to sustain ourselves in comparison to what the same person but male did. 
you know, they, they work just as hard as us, but they still got more. Yeah, it also makes it harder for families to build up generational wealth. So for um, if I make like not as much as a man, right? I'm not going to have as much as a man mm-hmm. in my retirement. I'm not going to be able to save as much as a man. Um, and therefore my kid, my daughter, she's already, like we've talked about this whole time, predisposed. I don't have a daughter, but in the future, yeah. <laughs> she's already going to be predisposed to not making enough as much as a man. Um, and I can't pass on as much money to her to build this generational wealth, to help her be better off than I was. Yeah, because that's the American dream at the end yeah, of the day. It's like, to set off the generations to be better than the last one. Exactly. And I'm not going to be able to provide that for my daughter as well as I would be able to if I were a man. And that's really sad because it kind of creates, it worsens the cycle. It just never ends. Yeah, it makes women less motivated to work because they know that at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how hard they work, they're still going to earn less than the man. And it's something, it's not always about the pay, you know? You can pursue something that you're extremely passionate and enjoy every moment of it. But at the end of the day, what you get paid is how you live. It's your style of living. It's if you can afford rent or food for the month, you know? And it kind of sucks that we work just as hard, but we get less. So meaning we're just going to keep getting less and less motivated, you know? We're growing our next generations are going to see this trend and they're going to see no no change. And that's going to discourage them from pursuing higher positions. And that, at the end of the day, is going to keep feeding, keep feeding the cycle we've created. Yeah, and on top of that, there's that socialization that we are talking about at the very beginning. So that even if that daughter did get um, money from you, she wouldn't be as inclined to become that doctor, that lawyer, that business leader, that physicist. So then when she does get there and she does... I get to the point where she's able to choose a career, she's inherently kind of set up to not succeed as much as men. Yeah. Yeah, she's just following. At the end of the day, people follow the trends. You know, our future generation is just going to keep following in our trends, following in our footsteps. And unfortunately, our next generation may not be as strong as this generation if we don't start doing things about it. So let's start talking solutions. Let's start talking the discussions we need to have in order to decrease this gender inequality gap. I think that one that we have to have more stories, have more representation in media, in literature, in books, and have more representation, like you were saying or a while back, legally, having more people in Congress that are women so that our voice is heard more literally at the table. Uh, but the actual tangible conversations I think we have to have with our brothers, with our fathers, with our brethren, is that, first of all, that we are equal. That is kind of the assumption, but also... After they're getting more specifics, being like, one, please acknowledge the women around you with care, with mindfulness, with consent. Be mindful of what you're doing, be mindful of what you're saying. Then going on after that, being being open to have that seat at the table, being tr- trying to go out of your way to maybe consider having women there just for the sake of having an additional perspective at the at the seat, even if there really is nothing between applicants just being mindful that that is something you're gaining it's funny that you mentioned perspective because if we only have one gender deciding what is best for the rest of us we're never going to have what we strive for and what we strive for is equality you know we need to have maybe gender quotas and legislate in like our legislative branch maybe that would help a bit to have that female voice more represented and pushed through you know because now that we have, if we were to institute a quota, it showed that in other countries it has worked, you know, there's more women reform in select countries because other countries, you know, we each work differently. 
But if we, I feel like if we had a gender quota in this country, we would be able to push laws that would otherwise be declined because we have a majority of men in our offices. So abortion laws, anything that has to do with sexuality rights. cases, uh, reproductive rights, it would most likely be passed and put through a more thoughtful process and decision making than rather just immediately vetoed. So I think Iceland is actually a really good example of this. I'm not necessarily sure if they have a gender quota, but um, through the years, their gap between in when it comes to gender in their legislative branch has almost has is almost non-existent at this point. I'm pretty sure there's almost a 50-50 split um, in their legislative branch when it comes to gender, and I think that's a pretty awesome example to follow um, because, like you said, you know, if we have more female voices in Congress. Um, we can get more things done like for us for us um, so I think that um, the reason that we study history in school is to be able to look at historical patterns right. and be able to not like necessarily predict the future but see what is happening right now and be like okay where have I seen this before is this going to go badly how can I fix it or how can we as a society strive to fix it so um I think if we take a look at places like Iceland, for example, and, and other countries that are really uh, striving towards gender equality and pass laws to get to that point, if we look at them and take them as an example um, and find ways to apply it to U.S. laws, that could definitely really help, help a lot. Us. Yeah. You know, because we have to be able to take examples from other countries that are doing better than us and we kind of have to accept the fact that they are doing better than us <laughs> how can we catch up and for yeah. perspective i think of course correct me if i'm wrong like same thing with elizabeth it's i believe we're like 104th in terms of representation in government and yeah we're definitely in the low hundreds yeah we're <laughs> after indonesia i think to have some perspective and so it doesn't match you know exactly. you have this image of the united states they should have that equality that pe people look up to us and the fact that we're not setting that example that people expect honestly says a lot about us and our laws right yeah and obviously a lot of people say that having something like a quota would be outrageous and obviously everything's kind of subjective but a lot of people's qualms with that is that these women wouldn't be as capable these women would only get these jobs because they are women so of course little asterisk on that point if they are obviously they have experience they have the backing of their passion if we can have a woman over a man, let's go for it. The ultimate goal is equality. It's not to have women bombarding the office. Yeah, and that's a very common misconception. Exactly. You know? We need to have, it's always, our goal should be to be equal. And it's really important for us to be sharing these stories and be having these discussions. If we want to have a better generation than us, we want to leave our world better off than how we live in it. Yeah. And if we don't have these discussions, that can't be possible. Yeah. So guys, it's always important to keep an open mind. And just one final point about the whole perspective thing. Um, earlier, we kind of touched really quickly on intersectionality. Um, and that could be a whole other podcast episode, right. to be honest. Um, but it's also a really important thing to take into consideration. Because the whole 81 cents an hour uh, for every dollar a man makes, that's just white women. We also need to make sure that people of color, queer people, um, are being represented and that their voice is also heard in these issues. And that's super, super important and also um, an important discussion to be had. No, 100%. And I personally believe that that discussion should be had entirely separate, you know, kind of just focus completely on them for a change. But guys, it's always really important to keep an open mind when talking about these things. Gender inequalities is not a myth. It is not something that 
we made up. It is something that statistics can back up and that is seen all around us. You know, our mothers, our sisters, our friends, at the end of the day, we're all going to experience it at one point and that needs to stop. So that's going to wrap it up for today's episode of Firebirds. So make sure you check out Doral Academy Prep's social media at Doral Academy Preparatory on Instagram and at Doral Academy on TikTok. You guys can also check out our blog at thefbdigital.com and we hope to catch you guys next week on The Nest.